Cardinmouth stuff at Marvel Stadium as North Melbourne looked to pull off a massive heist, but the Hawks somehow escaped with the four points in a game we'd all love to forget. Still, there's plenty to unpack. Wingard was once again in fine form, Warple was a tackling machine, and Clarko had a fair bit to say in his post-match presser. We're going to get to that in this, another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host too. Very much sensed that I had nuclear-level nervous energy late in the piece. G'day, Tiz. Well, actually, mate, I was just sort of saying something kind. I was like, are you relaxed now? This game looks like it's all over. You know, just enjoy it. So you weren't being facetious in that moment? No, no, I was genuine. I was like, well, you must think we've got this wrapped up. <laughs> you really thought we had it in the bag. Oh, I did. I mean, we're nearly 60 points, which is apparently the new 100-point marker. <laughs> and uh, I thought, oh, Nick will be relishing this, couple more goals to the good, and, and all of a sudden we stopped. The whole team practically stopped after Wingard's wonderful goal. I was nervous, and then I received that message from you. And I thought to myself, okay, he's on the same page now. <laughs> and then I started to get really worried. And then I guess after the siren, I, I needed a long time to calm down. Like just in my body, I was entirely tense and just, oh, I just had so much nervous energy, mate. I needed that um, from last week's pod. I needed the jazz club commentary that we came <laughs> up with. That's That would have soothed me just fine, but I was without that, so I was tense for a long time afterwards. What do you think they did? They just switch off, or North didn't look like they started playing any better. It was just that we weren't getting to the right positions. There were two things that happened. Hawthorne thought they had it in the bag. North Melbourne sort of just kept playing. Then when it looked like they had a bit of a sniff, they started getting more and more urgent North, and they started rolling the dice because they went, we're on here. So you had the, it was a perfect storm, basically, of, of two teams doing entirely different things. Apart from that, you completely ignored the fact that Wingard had kicked his third. Maybe they've been listening, mate, and they've just gone, oh, well, Wingard's <laughs> kicked his third. That's it, we've won. Mate, the listeners were onto it. As soon as Wingard <laughs> slotted that, they hit us up. They said, well, that's it. <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. That's in the bag. You can go home now. And he got 10 coaches' votes and the only multiple goal kicker on the pitch. That's right. But it wasn't good enough for Clarkson. He was asked after the game in the post-match presser, uh, what did you like? Or, sorry, let, let me put the right spin on that sentence. What did you like from Sunday night's game? And he replied, nothing. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. We all felt a bit like that, didn't we? Didn't feel like a win for a long, long, long time. And then you look back and you go on, four points, that's enough. Yeah, we banged the four points, and I'm so glad we did. I mean, you know, it wasn't pretty, but it was some small way to honour the late John Kennedy Senior. I'm so glad we managed to get the win and just get that done, because uh, I think it would have been quite heartbreaking to not be able to do that. I thought we performed really well for most of the night. We're concentrating and concerted in our approach to the game, and McAvoy plan worked beautifully on Brown. He didn't get a sniff of it for much of the night. He started resorting to uh, diving, I think it have to be said. <laughs> But it just, it, it felt like there was McAvoy and Wingard and Warple and everyone else sort of, you could throw a blanket over them for their, you know, trying to pick the the three, two and one, really. I want to circle back around to Clarkson's comments because he chose not to um, specify any particular player that he liked, not even Wingard. Wing, it was put to him, oh, what about Chad Wingard? What do you think? He wouldn't be drawn on that. He was focused entirely on 
this long-standing trend of tacklers not being awarded free kicks, Tiz. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, now, this comes from 2016, doesn't it, Nick, when we were bundled out by the Western Bulldogs? There was some ridiculous number of tackles that night that went unrewarded. And then last year, in the early rounds, in a, quite a similar result, um, except that we actually lost that game. The Bulldogs came from nowhere, from the clouds, to beat us, and no tackles were awarded again that day. So Clarko's just... He's had enough, mate. He's, uh, this is crap. They're not awarding them. 69 tackles on the night. One was rewarded, and that was uh, Chad Wingard who kicked the goal from it, and that's it. Now, in that press conference, I got the sense that in the room there was... Uh journalists sort of scratching their heads like well what do you want Clarko like you reckon the game's broken what how do you want to change it and he fired back in in response to any sort of this notion of you know less players on the field any sort of radical suggestions he simply offered how about you change things in the first instance by governing the game according to the rule book that's that's a quote that's what he said and then tis miraculously after being absolutely dragged through the mud by the footy media for a few days, he got his way. Yeah, well, Gil McLaughlin came to the party. He said it, a lot of those free kicks were there and weren't awarded. And as a footy fan, you know that. Got nothing to do with Hawthorne. You see this happen every week. It's almost as if a four-time premiership coach knows a little something about the game of Australian rules football. Yeah, well, there's that. And then there's people who... Uh, look, there are elements in the game that use the leniency given to the ball player to slow the game down and allow congestion. They hold on to the ball, they make sure that they can bottle it up so that the opposition, if they do get the ball or it breaks free, don't have the opportunity to grab the spill and run. And um, that and the, the fact that they're not being awarded means that um, players hang around the ball more, they uh, if they were awarded the free kicks, that automatically opens the game up. Um, it also means that uh, you you try to look for a um, an option earlier. You don't meet the tackler. And if they are awarding free kicks, it means that the coach has to come up with a plan so that there's an immediate out for the player when they pick up the ball. And at the moment, they don't need to plan for that. They can be heavily defensive. They don't need to have that uh, rider on the outside of the pack or some get out of jail hand pass to space so you're on board with Clarko in basically saying that we need to properly enforce the rules that already exist rather than tweaking and adding in new ones well if you look at the unpaid um, holding the ball decisions and the scoring in AFL you see that since the Bulldogs won the premiership in 2016 the high-scoring teams don't win premierships yeah I noticed that yeah so if you want high scoring if you want uh, goals and big marks and players running freely. Guess how you get back to that? You you invoke the rules that saw that happen, and one of those was holding the ball. If you go back to the 80s, and we did, we've been spending a couple of months watching 80s football, weren't we, Nick? That's right. In the 70s, mm -hmm. there were some very, very dubious holding the ball decisions because <laughs> the guy only has it for a few seconds, basically, but there was an option and he didn't take it, and that is then holding the ball. Yeah, fascinating, um, the difference in approach to umpiring these days. And and you can see it. Some of the some of the players deliberately take on the tackler and just hold the ball in. And that's 
obviously their instruction. There was nothing that Clarkson was advocating for that was too unreasonable or too radical or out of this world. But of course, it didn't stop the entire footy media just going bonkers with it and running with whatever story they wanted to talk about. You know, I'm hearing stuff like, uh, just get the umpires to throw it up quicker. And then I think to myself, well, what about the third man up rule that they brought in? You can't do that. So then you need to address that change. You need to undo all that work they did. And then I hear stuff like, well, extend the distance to 20 metres or 25 metres. And then I'm hearing less players on the field. And I'm like, no, you didn't, you didn't listen. You didn't listen to what he said. You're making up your own stories to pad out your crappy footy program that's on at 10.30 at night that no one cares about except for the person who does the Fox footy socials the next day who needs one sentence to put in a tweet and goes, oh, that'll get clicks. No one cares. It's just that's all the footy media is nowadays. Someone will say something and then they'll just run with their own story. Clarkson never advocated for anything but just using the rule book that already exists. And, and we've put up with days of this uh, think tank crap. And and I'm, I'm over it. It's so blatant. And I feel like it, it, it is madness, basically. The other thing is they don't raise a hair when uh, the league come in over the top and change the rules to prevent Hawthorne from utilising the game plan that won the premierships. Every time we win a premiership, <laughs> they change the bloody rules. No one goes, oh, come on, that's not fair, is it? Changing the rules on them just because they're successful. But apparently, if we want the rules to actually be adjudicated as they're written down, that is in some way molesting the game. And uh, we can't do that. Well, we've heard today that uh, in response to Clarkson's comments, there will be a bit of a crackdown and they'll pay more attention to paying holding the ball throughout this round at the very least. And then we hear from someone like Kane Corns going, that's that's totally unacceptable. They're completely bowing down to Alistair Clarkson's wishes and they shouldn't be doing anything. It's like, mate, you were just recommending your own tweaks of the game a couple of nights ago. Like, it's just... It's all me, me, me. Don't listen to Clarkson. Listen to me. I have the thing that's going to change football forever. I hear so often that Clarkson's view is invalidated because he's in part responsible for, air quote, breaking the game to begin with. But that's the exact person you need to consult. If he worked out a way to make football the way that it is, he's probably the guy to talk to to change it again. Because he figured it out. Mate, the fact is he's the second highest scoring, or he's the coach of the second highest scoring team in, the, in his tenure. I think Geelong has only scored more points than Clarko over his period coaching. So it's just absolute garbage. Yeah, look at our points four over the three-peat era. Our points four is through the roof. And the fact that he stared down Ross Lyon and <laughs> Paul Ruse's game plan throughout that period, we didn't have to sit through that any longer. The... There was a breath of fresh air when um, <laughs> Geelong and Hawthorne came along and played that, that style of footy. Fair enough, he killed the shark in 08. Then they changed the rules that you couldn't run it through the goals, and we all know about that. They say Clarko has undue influence on the league. Well, um, so does Chris Scott. He's had his share of meltdowns. and oh, Look, to be honest, it's, it's all a bit of a storm in a teacup because none of these players are fit, obviously. Their skills are bloody awful. <laughs> the team togetherness, like the... I mean, we're one of the few teams that seems to have some kind of... Um, what's the word? Uh, fluidity between the lines. 
There's a few teams running out there, and you, they just look so disjointed. Anyway, look, Hawthorne are three and one, mate. Three and one. Before we move off this topic, I, I want to get to a question from Cody at Hawk Talk Pod. Will Clarko's comments make the umps take notice when we face GWS and get rewarded? The first Hawthorne player to take on the tackler, gone holding the ball. <laughs> it's it's fascinating that we're still allowed to go. I thought they'd uh, they decided we weren't allowed to go into state and all this stuff and. Actually, we postponed the pod because uh, we thought there'd be an announcement that we were hubbing it up somewhere. We thought we'd put it off because it'd just be more to talk about that was really crucial. But, I mean, as we're recording now, we still don't really know what's happening with all the hub stuff in Hawthorne. I think we're going to be in New South Wales. Is that the whisper? Yeah, surely we are because we have so many matchups still to go up there, don't we? And I think we know that the Saints are going there. We haven't played them yet either, so it would make sense if we went to New South Wales, but the Tasmanians must be wondering what on earth's wrong with heading down there. Anyway, let's go back to the game and enjoy the first three quarters, at least. (laughs) Look, it's not a game that I was particularly looking forward to revisiting uh, after the fact. I I know I went to bed that evening feeling pleased that we'd won, but I was thinking to myself, I can't believe... We have to talk about it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. I mean, there's plenty of positives. I mean, we'll start with the guy we mentioned before, Chad Wingard. 18 touches, three goals, one with seven score involvements. I thought he was outstanding. I want to talk about his uh, reaction at the end of the game when the ball came near and he punched it away with venom, wasn't it? There's a bit of disgust <laughs> and how on earth did that happen? Well, I want him to be disgusted, mate. That was pretty poor. I don't want him to be happy smiley. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love the guy. He's he's about the only thing that injects in, in excitement into this Hawthorne lineup. I thought Sicily's just going through the motions, even though he had a good game. Jago Ramiro took a big hit and uh, Tom Mitchell sort of working himself back in and Warple's just tackling everybody. You've rattled off quite a few names there. We're going to get to each of them in detail. I know, we'll, we'll get to them all, but, you know, <laughs> it's um, it's just that he's this shining light and he is. He's like a diamond in the rough, Wingard, isn't he? Wingard is the reason to watch Hawthorne at the moment. There's no doubt about it. He's the most exciting player we've got out there. Uh, James Warple, though, 24 touches, an even split of contested and uncontested possessions. He ran at just 58% disposal efficiency, which is not that great, but uh, the nine tackles, and get this, Tiz, leads the league four tackles, averaging almost seven a game. Yeah, and last week we I sort of put Tom Mitchell up as a bloke who usually has a lot of tackles and hadn't last week against Richmond, and I thought that was weird. And this week... He backed it up. He said, uh, I'm going to show you, Tiz. And he took eight tackles, just one less than Warple. So uh, obviously nothing wrong with the shoulder, eh, Nick? Eight clearances to go with those eight tackles, the second most on the ground. It's still a more quiet accumulator this season. That's to be expected, but absolutely vital to the side. 22 touches at 81% disposal efficiency. 17 of those were handballs, Tiz. Yeah, um, they were making sure they weren't bombing it. I thought, for a long period of that game. I thought that was um, very clever of them because there's a lot of run off that half-back line. And without Poppy in the team, we weren't putting that much pressure on them. Having said that, we did do 10 tackles in our forward 50, didn't we? So not a bad result there, but uh, can't help but feel Poppy comes straight back in with Bruce having the, having the jawline 
um, break, which is, of course had to be Goldie, didn't it? I hate Goldie. We'll get to all that in just a moment. Uh, you speak of bombing it long. That's something that North Melbourne were a bit reluctant to do. Big boy Ben McAvoy was just sitting there waiting for every ball that came in. That is one of the best two-touch games you'll ever see. <laughs> He was very good. And he stuck to him like a glove, didn't he? He was just everywhere Ben went, Ben went. (laughs) We called it. We said last week, if you're going to do the experiment, this could be the week to do it. And he totally neutralized Ben Brown, who's worst on the ground in spite of a goal late in the piece. Uh, A goal he got after one of the younger crew of the forward line had actually taken the mark. I still awarded him the free kick. Speaking of our defensive cohort, uh, James Sicily, we mentioned before, I-, I reckon he was a bit of an unsung hero, as he has been for much of this season so far. 18 touches at 77%, disposal efficiency, 11 intercepts, 4 rebound 50s, 2 contested marks. He won 3 free kicks, 438 metres gained, the most of any hawk out there. It wasn't a particularly flashy performance, uh, but he just played his role beautifully. Like I said, that seems to be the story of his 2020. Yeah, he looked to me as if he's lost a bit of his dash, but uh, he's still got beautiful timing when he kicks the footy. And I've got to say that uh, North were putting some time into him. They were working him over. They knew he was integral to our um, distribution of the football. The bloke I, I didn't notice this week was uh, Scrimshaw. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Sam Frost. Yeah, well, he was at full forward, obviously. Um, <laughs> remained there for much of the game. I never saw Frosty really at all. But they did have their hands full, Stratton and Frost, and I think Stratton had Zerha, didn't he? If that's the case, he did a tremendous job. I thought Stratton actually played decently this week. Yeah, he drifted off his man a couple of times to influence the game, and I think he he went up the ground to deliver into the forward 50 as well. So there are a few people claiming that there was a lack of leadership in those final moments in the game, um, but it always looks like that when the other team starts having a crack at you. Um, it's just... You've got to wonder about the fitness, to be honest. Or is it a game style that requires so much energy that you just can't do it for four shortened quarters? Which is alarm bells, to be honest. Yeah, is that likely? Because I, nothing I see of, of Hawthorne's plan screams overexertion. You know, we're not the quickest team in the league. Well, it's just, you know, did they relax so much? I mean, we have a problem with bring, pulling back momentum, but that is... That is ridiculous. You've got to have a couple of, like, start a fist fight or something. You know, just start a start a melee. Who cares? Get buy yourself some time. You know, that's what Hodgie or Mitchell would do, or they, you know, they just find a way to stifle the opposition's run. You know, what we've seen a lot lately, uh, not just this year, but I think last year as well, is um, the interchange holding up signs. You know that the team looks to, and it could be something as obscure as like oh, it's a symbol of a wasp and. That means something to the team. Uh, you know, you've got to enact this now. You, you've got to pull the trigger on this move. And it just feels like Hawthorne needs something like that. And I don't know why it hasn't happened. We don't seem to be very good at um, stopping the flow. It seems so easy as well. Get possession and then just don't waste it. But uh, we're, we're just not very sensible lately. It seems so hard to get a clean possession for us. And slow the clock down. I thought we were doing beautifully at the start of the quarter, but... You know, sort of controlling the ball and keeping some time back, and and then it sort of went away from us. We um we started to panic, and I suppose it's a function of 
I mean, they tried to put Burgoyne behind the ball, and I think he went into the centre eventually in the when the real panic button was hit. Um, but you know, you got to have more awareness about you. And I was I was reading, you were saying online that Big Boy McAvoy is the leading voice in that backline now. According to Chip, James Frawley did a bit of an Instagram live thing today. It was very brief, as it turns out. I thought I tuned in just at the end, but uh, I think it was only five minutes long anyway. Um, and he happened to mention that uh, Ben McAvoy has a lot of responsibility down there, which surprised me, because um, you'd think that Stratton would be the guy, but no, Ben McAvoy apparently is a bit of a general down in defence. Fair enough, too. He's got a lot of experience there, and um, if he's going to play that well, he's also the bloke who's most liable to be exposed. So <laughs> it's always good to give that bloke voice. Uh... <laughs> We had a number of questions from listeners uh, surrounding this last quarter fade-out, as you might expect is. People weren't very happy. We heard from Nick Vines at Hawk Talk Pod. The last two weeks have been feeling great about us for the first three quarters. Then the final term brings down our impressive performances. And in addition to that, we heard from TL. Uh, where are the signs that these last quarter fade-outs are being rectified? I'm sure that a lot of listeners out there would love to know that. Well, I, I don't see any signs, do you? Nope. <laughs> None whatsoever, which concerns me because we, we could not stop the tide against Geelong. Uh, Richmond were a bit unfortunate to not get more of a run on against us, and we just hung in there and kept them at bay. And uh, North, it, it well, they almost. Missed a couple of shocking goals. Yeah, that's right. And North, it just didn't work at all. North very nearly ran over the top of us, and given a couple more minutes, they would have. I'm convinced that they would have. So what are the signs that this is changing? Well, it's happened, what, three three weeks running now? I don't see any. Let me be devil's advocate and say that Hawthorne also stopped during that second quarter and North got a run on then too when we lucky half-time came when it did. We heard from Justin. Uh, our back line has been fantastic, giving up nine, five and eight goals in our three wins. But is being super tall robbing us of run in our last quarters? Um. Well, I guess that's a good point to make I hadn't really thought of it like that it's just um, you will find that as the game goes longer that guys don't look up and hit a pass they sort of kick longer and uh, tall men don't get any shorter as the (laughs) saying goes so that can be great in those moments but certainly trying to run the ball out of out of your defensive line um, late in games is is sort of dicing with failure um, generally the long kick. The thing was, down the line, um, Timmy and Mitch Lewis weren't really contesting well, were they? The, the ball was still remaining in play. We need to get some questions uh, around Tim O'Brien. Um, Mount Everest asked us at Hawk Talk Pod, how long is this Tim O'Brien thing going to last? He has a good leap, but he gets himself under the ball and can't hold onto the footy to save his life. And uh, George, in addition to that, asks us, uh, how long can we persist with T.O.B. and Hanrahan? Both really frustrating to watch. Now, we'll get to Ollie in a moment, but uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, Tiz, because I was critical of him during the match. I want to go into bat for Tim O'Brien here and, and see if I can mount a case for him staying in the side. Don't make it sound like too much heavy lifting, Nick. Well, it's just, <laughs> he is frustrating, mate. You can't deny it. Every time he goes, it was a, by the end of the match, it was a catch cry of Anthony Hudson's, like O'Brien almost. Like every single time, he just can't make one stick. Had I was enjoying that a little too much. One goal, one goal assist, four score involvements and all. Eight tackles, Tiz. Tim O'Brien had eight tackles, four of those tackles inside 50, 
He ran at 75% disposal efficiency, which isn't that bad. And I don't know. I don't think anyone doubts that he can, he can contribute and pitch in with one percenters. It's just every time that spotlight is very much on him, when he leaps to bring down a mark, it just never comes off. It, it's perfectly obvious to me what's wrong. And uh, I was listening to Flog's footy. A Flog's footy. Uh, earlier this week. And absolutely, it's the absence of crowd for Timmy. Oh, is that right? He loves a crowd. And as soon as the crowd's back... I can't believe you deployed the Richmond excuse for Tim <laughs> O'Brien. That is shocking. Oh, you got to run with it sometimes, don't you? Well, at the moment, we'll, we'll get to the squad a bit later, but Tim O'Brien at this stage seems to be retaining his spot. Uh, whether that's the case by the time people listen to this, I guess we'll just wait and see. We have to move on to a question from TJ41 at Hawk Talk Pod. Ollie Hanrahan, is he the best option for a pressure forward role? Totally appreciate that he's very young, but decision-making and disposal has left a lot to be desired over recent weeks. Now, he did praise his goal in kicking up the spine last week to Burgoyne um, for a wonderful team goal. We did. However, that seems to have gone to his head, and uh, <laughs> he was taking some outlandish options. And, and also, he was um, there was a lot of perceived pressure about Ollie this week. But this is going to happen with young players. I hope they persist with him. He hasn't kicked a goal for a little while, though. Um, which would be frustrating for him, and I think his tackling stats are pretty, pretty woeful as well. So on this show, and I believe Hawks fans in general have sort of positioned Ollie Hanrahan as, you know, he's a, he's a good small forward. He could possibly, you know, take after Puopolo eventually. We just need to see a bit more defensive intensity from him. Just the seven touches this game, six of those uncontested. He ran at forty-two point nine percent disposal efficiency. Made some terrible decisions, as we as we said. Uh, botched a fairly good look at the goals. If one of the goals is, he had his moment and he stuffed it up. He didn't lay a tackle, and he hasn't laid one since round one, where he managed two. I'm going to say it's probably time for a change. He's had thirteen senior games in a row now, dating back to last year. Thirteen's quite a bit. I think it might be time to just sneak someone else into the side to see what they can do. What do you reckon? Uh, no, I think um, that forward line structure is pretty brittle as it is at the moment. They're not functioning well. They are very limited with their training. I think any change, and we are already forced to change with Bruce, um, is just going to make it worse for that kind of rhythm. So what you're telling me is you don't want to upset the apple cart and I'm talking about an apple cart with square wheels at the moment. That's how well it's rolling along. Well, I mean, it's not going to get any better, I don't think, if you take Hanrahan out. I mean, you might be right. It might change nothing, but I'd be willing to give it a go. Unless it's for Poppy, who knows what he's doing up there. I wouldn't like a different youngster. In. Unless it's a midfielder and I get a good rotation through the midfield. And, and, and obviously then I'm talking about Harry Jones um, coming in, giving, giving us some bolstering through the mids which I felt we could have done with against North, especially considering Cunnington was a laid out. And uh, <laughs> I feel like we probably would have lost had he not had he played. I agree. Hey, uh, you speak of laid outs there. What about our late in? Mitch Lewis. Boy, I was excited. Yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, not too well. Uh, <laughs> he played like a guy that hasn't had a senior game since August. And that went about as well as you'd expect. Four touches. A couple of times, he just really didn't apply himself too well defensively. It was pretty hard to watch, being such a fan of him. He would have been told about that. He would have gone to the bench, and they would have been in his ear about what he could have done better. I mean, he was good for a goal, at least. That was a nice moment. Oh, um, mate, come on. I nearly spewed up. <laughs> that was 
one of the weakest efforts rewarded on the day. Was just... yeah, it was it was a poor free kick. It was not there at all. I was but look, I'll take it. No, I was like, oh god, drag him off. He, if he thinks he's going to be getting kicks like that, we'll never see him lead for a mark again. <laughs> Shades of Matthew Lloyd. Uh, no, I shouldn't say that. It's too far. But much too harsh. <laughs> <laughs> you leave my Mitch alone, mate. I mean, it was poor play by the North defender, but he made a meal of it, did Mitch Lewis. But then he kicked the kick truly. I mean, the only thing worse would have been if he'd missed. So... <laughs> oh, yeah, at least he took that opportunity. I'm going to say that Tim O'Brien was better on the day in terms of tall forwards. He was better than Mitch Lewis, which wasn't hard, granted, but he was. And heading into this game against the Giants, our most effective forward setup still remains a mystery which is uh, not a fun place to be in. I think it's pressure from Wingard and then goal. Is that, is that it? Is that the entire system? It's generally how it happens. Well, we heard from PJ <laughs> at Hawk Talk Pod. What is wrong with our forward structure? Clearly cannot take a mark. The only lively element is Wingard. Am I being too harsh? No, not too harsh. No, that's spot on, PJ. The problem is, like I, like I alluded to, they're just not training in, in it. You can't have match sims. You can't do any of that stuff. Hopefully they can in the hub. Do you think it's a go in the hub? If they, so I've noticed some of the skills being shown, not by West Coast, but a few of the other teams that have been in hubs interstate, has looked a lot better in terms of the cohesion between the side. Um, yeah, it's just lack of. Uh, I mean, their their leading patterns, although you can't see them on the television, everyone seems to be bunched together all the time when the ball comes in, um, and no one's really spotting anyone up cleverly. This will this will come though. This you know, if we're playing this badly and this frustratingly and still winning, I want to impress upon people that it's only going to get better from here. And the fact that every other team seems to be having some really nasty injuries, and we've got Bruce out. Obviously, he hasn't missed a game in Yonks, unfortunate injury. But our club is obviously doing something right in preparing our players. I'm glad you got to that point, um, because I see that as a silver lining as well. I think our ceiling is pretty high. I don't think we've brought our best footy, maybe at all, this year. We've managed to, what what are we, 3-1 heading into this Giants game, and it's good to get some wins, but I wouldn't say that we've sort of, you know, lit it up or anything. We haven't been amazing, and uh, that kind of fills me with a bit of confidence. I think it will come. It's just a matter of time. Uh, George D hit us up at Hawk Talk Pod. Should the debate surrounding Tim O'Brien, Patton and Lewis now include Gunston? Now, is Gunston um, playing with an injury or something like that? Because he seems to be a little bit in cotton wool hmm. to me. He's not being um, used as the chess piece that Clarko usually enjoys. I'm not really sure of his role at this time. I'm not really sure what he's doing out there. Do you think he is? <laughs> no, I'm sure he is. But it's hard It's hard to watch. Well, it's hard to watch being that we're at home and we can't see the whole ground. I'm sure if we're actually at the game, we'd get more of an idea. But at this stage, he's just... Uh, I think the way you put it, that he's not being used as the chess piece is quite a good way to articulate that. It's uh, It's been an interesting year from him so far. Because Clarko's not... You know, he's, he's quite happy to put Gunston one out in the goal square and he knows Gunston can do that for him and do it well. I think he, what did he kick, six against Frio? Uh, Port Adelaide down in Tassie. Port Adelaide, yeah. He just doesn't seem to be on moving on top of the ground either. So there's a couple of guys that are still obviously getting peak fitness back. 
Um, but yeah. We'll move off this game in just a moment. Uh, I want to take one more question about it, though. We heard from Erin at Hawk Talk Pod. She says, this was my dad's only comment post-game, and it's a text message. Segler nearly cost the game six ruck infringements. And then according to the post-match report, uh, Segler conceded almost as many free kicks as he won possessions to half-time on Sunday night, four to five. So Aaron says, the experiment is working by win-loss ratio, but is anyone else anxious about this long-term? Yeah, it's a good point. If other teams get their game plan together, perhaps big boy McAvoy won't be so effective behind the ball. Um, But Johnny Segler, what are we going to do about it? He seems to be playing the man in the ruck. And look, the ruck's one of those places, and I think Clarko's said something like this, almost every contest, you know, you could pay a free kick. So uh, he sort of intimated, he intimated that they were victimising Segler. Some of them were there, some of them weren't. Um, That straight arm thing, he's done that about three weeks in a row. It had shades of Geelong a little bit for me, where, you know, Goldstein heading into this game, he was in red-hot form, and it... It looks like Segler knew that, like he knew full well what he was up against, and Goldstein, as it turns out, on the night was still one of North Melbourne's best. Uh, nine clearances threatened to be the difference in that game. I guess we were just lucky that Goldstein stunk it up with his disposal efficiency, which was only 38% thereabouts. But he always gets the rubber the green. Well, true. The only thing that's gone against Goldstein was when Tommy Mitchell still took home the brown low after he <laughs> clocked him in the head that time. Segler is a... Uh... He's suddenly extremely crucial to this Hawthorne side. We need him to play well, and that slightly concerns me because he's been a bit hit and miss in the four games we've had. I can only hope that he gets some consistency together because all I've seen over this four games is that he's really vital. He's a barometer to how we play at the moment. If he's on, we look okay. If he's off, then not good. Yeah, Clarko's sort of... You know, rolling a few dices on a few players that are confidence players, isn't he? It does seem that way. Uh, we heard from SW Perth just before we throw to a break. Uh, at Hawk Talk Pod, do you think we see a four-quarter performance this week? <laughs> from Hawthorne? Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, we, uh, we've had some good battles with GWS in the past, and I think the fear of God might have been put through the boys at the end of that game. If uh, if the remonstrating in the box three or four minutes after this final siren is anything to go by. I somehow don't think it was only the coaching staff and the journos that got a taste of Clarko's wrath. I, I think it would have extended beyond that to the playing group. And I'm interested to see how they respond. I mean, play smarter, not harder. We're going to get to some social stuff now and then get to our preview of the big game at Giant Stadium this Sunday night at 6.10pm. So it's good this having games on the Sunday, isn't it, Nick? At six ten, plenty of plenty of time to wait around for the squad to be announced. And last week we got two apps up on iTunes. That was a bit of fun. It certainly switches up our schedule a bit, <laughs> throws us a curveball. But I don't, I don't know. Waiting around for our game is a bit annoying because I just get so hyped. I just want to see Hawthorne in action. Uh, 
But uh, it's, it's good to see people uh, connecting with the podcast in that time as well. It feels like the entire weekend now, the entire weekend of footy, we have some good fun. Uh, Apple Podcasts, you can find us there. It makes a huge difference when you rate and review the show, everyone out there. If you haven't done so, we'd love to hear from you. If you, if you like the show, if you want to give us five stars, do jump on Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Twitter, at Hawk Talk Pod. it's such an amazing community of Hawks fans. It's uh, one of the true joys of doing this show is talking with everyone. Yeah, what struck me this week was there was some listeners that reached out to us and said uh, thank you for the kind words about John Kennedy and um, I think they understood that it was a bit hard to put our thoughts together that quickly but um, they were very kind about it all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a, a big heartfelt thanks to the people that did reach out. They, yeah, as you say, they understood that we did it on the run and quite an emotional day and I, I hope that, you know, we gave something to the Hawks community and doing our very best on that occasion. And I thought the club handled all that well, didn't you? Apart from some bloke leaving the crowd noise on during the minute silence, that was a bit odd. Yeah, they haven't really worked out the crowd noise thing, it <laughs> must be said, but at least the club did their bit and the service today, uh, by all reports, was uh, just really well done. Facebook, uh, we've had a question about whether we want to start a game day thread. Yeah, well, you'll have to tell me what that is. Well, it's just sort of when you start a discussion and people can leave comments. All I'd say about that, I'm completely up for that, but I'll be manning Twitter. This is one of the great all-time hospital hand passes right here, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Tiz, do you want to do Facebook? And you know my, my opinion of Facebook, mate. It is, if Twitter is a nice place where you can get all your thoughts out and how many characters is it now? They've changed it. Anyway, Facebook, you can write an essay and you don't want to be dealing with that, do you? Exactly. You don't want to be dealing with it. There you go, Tiz. You deal with that, mate. No, I wasn't <laughs> saying that. I wasn't saying that. All I'm saying is I can't do two things at once and I've sort of carved out my niche in uh, Twitter. So I'll be live tweeting again on Sunday night and... We might do that Facebook game day thread. If, if people are active, they enjoy communicating with other Hawks fans, and that could be a lot of fun. I'll check in with that after the game. For those tech heads out there, I'll just be setting up a Zapier, and I'll just copy everything Nick writes and puts it into Facebook. So that'll be great. How complicated can we make it? Can we get a Discord happening? What about a Snapchat? <laughs> <laughs> How many things can we throw into the pot? Uh, the big one for us, of course, is Patreon. That is the best way to support the show. If you really if you really love the show and want to see it get bigger and better, then the place to go is patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. Uh, the $5 tier there is probably the most popular. You can subscribe to that and get all of our bonus apps and... There are all sorts of different tiers. You don't have to do $5. You can do less than that. You can do more than that. But uh, if you do want to support the show, that's the place to go. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. All right, back to the footy. GWS, mate, we seem to have the wood over them. I distinctly remember uh, Langford's fantastic goal to bring up that draw. What a wonderful day that was. How did he do that twice? Obviously, famously, he did it in the... 2014 grand final and got the most miraculous bounce from the most ridiculous angle and then down in Tassie he gets the bounce again to tie the game it's just what is it with Will Langford freak is all I can think of and then if you do it twice it's not a freak is it it's uh that is actual skill oh right I see yeah yeah so there's uh, a forced change uh Bruce comes out of the team leaving a spot for I would assume Puopolo to come back in well our stated ins are Puopolo, Patton, Jones, Morrison and Cousins 
who was snuck in. I didn't expect to see Cousins there, but by all reports and scratch matches, he has been going okay. So Yeah, he played in the midfield in the scratch match, didn't he? And pretty much dominated. And the other standout was Jones. I heard uh, Patton was playing, well, was training with the injured boys during the week, so what what do we take from that? His foot injury, apparently? Yeah, it was reported that you know, it kind of had a, a snide sort of a tone to it. Like, oh, it looks like Padden was fine after all. It's we can look at it a bit more closely. The fact is, you know, Padden was training in a small group with some other injured blokes, including Morris, who got a concussion, and who was the other bloke? Uh, Ross, I think. Who I'm not quite sure at this time what actually happened to Ross, but he was training in a very specific group. So whether he comes up or not and is in contention for selection here. Well, he is in contention, but whether he's actually named in the final squad, in the final team, sorry, we'll see. Uh, But it is an interesting point you raise. He was training with a very specific group. Uh, What else can we extract from this, uh, from this scratch match since we're talking about it? A few guys that aren't in the squad that I thought were worth mentioning. Dylan Moore piled on the forward pressure, which is kind of what we need right now. Uh, He finished with three goals, which is good to see. The Minch with two. Sporting a flashy haircut, that didn't earn him selection. Yeah, the Minch didn't get a go, but uh, Jacob was all over it. He had photos of the, what was it, Insta or something? Yeah, it was from Instagram. I was very good, and we appreciate that, Jacob. Thanks for the tip-off, because I was, I was excited. But, uh, I mean, we saw with Blake Hardwick it was the case earlier in the year. He, he had the fresh chop, and then he was named. He's gone the bottle blonde, hasn't he, Minch? Terrific. He's looking for Brownlow votes with that. You'd want to make sure all of your touches are good ones because you've not, got nowhere to hide. It's like the old fluoro footy boots, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Glass kicked two in the scratch match. Uh, Jekka with two as well, which is good to see. Uh, Cousins, as you so rightly point out, was very good on the day. And McGuinness as well. Nash made his return to his but was promptly injured again. What happened to him now? Apparently a shoulder injury. So uh, Connor just can't catch a break right now, which is unfortunate. Uh, he's too fit. He's come back in too good a form. He's a real specimen. Oh, he's too fit? Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens. You know, you get delicate when you're too fit. Well, right now he's a real specimen except for one of his shoulders. So, <laughs> uh, look, we should concentrate back on the GWS game. Uh, Puapolo, Patton, Jones, Morrison, Cousins... Who's coming in, mate? Uh, Bruce is the change that we have to make. Are we making any other changes? Well, let's consult the team. Well, you got them on the line, do you? You got all the whole list on. <laughs> you got another Zoom call going. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to look at the named emergencies. You know, the order, because that's that's what dictated it last time. Oh, jeez. Mind you, I say that. I think it did actually happen last week. The whole Patton and Lewis switch. <laughs> I think that actually did come to pass, so I better keep quiet on this one. All right, so for the uh, extended interchange, we've got Liam Shields. Is that? Do we take anything out of that? I don't know. This is your perspective. Like I, I don't know what to say about any of this. We're then named on the interchange. Is that a subtle message that he's not named in the lineup? I did read on Twitter someone inferring that he's not right. He's carrying something, which could be true. I don't know. Jack Scrimshaw. Then there's Hanrahan, who we've already had in the in the gun. Oh my goodness, they move. What do you mean? I swear to you, you open it in the AFL app, and you look at it for an extended period of time. They're onto me. No, they actually <laughs> changed the order. You're so full of shit. No, you are Harry so Jones full of is shit. like written first now, and then Poppy. No way. No, this. Oh my. Okay, do it. Do it live. Come on. No, you know what? I renege on any. 
uh, objection that I had just now because I completely believe the AFL app could be broken. Oh my goodness, it's changed again. Now Poppy's named first. This is... Look, try it, listeners. I can't believe it. My whole theory's buggered. <laughs> well, that's the result I was after, so I'm pleased with that. That's good. <laughs> oh, you're a cruel man. I mean, what's worse at this point, the AFL app or the AFL website? G-O-G. Oh, it's hard to get any info out of the AFL unless you pay them a quid. <laughs> what are we thinking? Can we get Jones into that lineup? Let's get Jones in, dump Hanrahan, have a have an extra midfielder run through there. We heard from Justin... Uh, at Hawk Talk Pod, who comes in? Poppy, Finn, Jones, or Cousins? Finn not in the mix. I, I get where Justin's coming from. I'd like to see him soon. We heard from PJ as well. Uh, is it worth putting in a young kid like Morris? Did he mean Morrison or Morris? No, he means Morris. Uh, is it worth putting in a young kid like Morris or Harry Jones or go with the known in Puapolo? I think Hanrahan needs the message of being dropped. Well, we'll take care of Justin and PJ's questions at the same time and give our verdict. Mate, I'm calling it right now. I reckon, you know, people will probably be listening to it, listening to this by the time the, the team's actually finalised. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm going to say Jones is picked. And what about Patton? That's curious, don't you think? They give him a week off before he plays GWS. We know players really turn up against their former clubs. Do we just spin that wheel? I, I'm disappointed Nash isn't playing because he... He put GWS to the sword last time, <laughs> as we know, in the snow game. He did. But, he did. Uh, do, do you think Patton... He'd be a good look against him. Look, I'm not against Patton coming in, but it's who you take out. Um, do, you, do you get Lewis out of the side after one week? I've got to say, Phil Davis, he looks shot. Like, something gone wrong in his leg. And he's been named. Yeah, no, he had a hamstring complaint and he's been named. And I can't believe he's playing. So definitely time to exploit that. <laughs> so if there is, you know, a nice sunny weather at 6pm in the afternoon in the middle of winter... <laughs> Um, <laughs> perhaps we could have a three-pronged forward line. Oh, you're not calling it. You reckon the three-pronged tools? No, but I don't think Mitch Lewis uh, secured his spot by his performance on the weekend. But I do think that it's very hard at this at this period of time because it's very hard to get um, any kind of feel for the game outside of playing. It's a rough call to uh, switch him out after one week, but um, he just didn't do enough. And Tim O'Brien, as much as I am frustrated with him, he he did a bit more than Mitch. So you got to pay that. I reckon they go with Tim O'Brien and Patton comes into the side. And then, well, we've made two changes there. Uh, Patton and Jones. It is great to see the 23 at centre-half forward and the two at full forward, though, got to say. Yeah, that'll be on their minds. What are you, Tom Brown? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that is the harshest insult. I, 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 I'd walk that back. No, that's getting cut. If that, if that makes it to air, we'll have to go back to negotiations now. Uh, <laughs> He's on a seven-year deal, listeners. That's Brody Grundy money. What a great club. Can we can we just drift on to Collingwood for a moment? Yeah, okay, yeah, why not? Have you seen that tweet? I only want to say four words about that whole debacle. <laughs> yeah, okay. How wells side bottom done how well side bottom done brilliant i saw that tweet i thought that is magnificent how the herald sun i can see how the age didn't do it because they're 48 hours behind all footy news but how the herald sun didn't run with that as the headline i do not know it's gold jerry gold (laughs) anyway mate we're not here to talk about the pies Uh, let's get back to the giants game Uh, you've made two changes well between us we've made two changes any others? Do you reckon Poppy gets in? People are saying that Poppy might get a look. Yeah, Poppy's in. All right, there you go. Because we've got to put a whole lot of pressure on their halfback flankers. 
and uh, that's where they get all their momentum. GWS is through the midfield and the halfback flankers, and I think our defence will hold up pretty well as long as we can lim- limit their inside 50s. Um, they're not terribly good at converting those. So um, there's been some interesting stuff last week. They had Canelio in the forward pocket, um, which looks like they were <laughs> wasting him, but they got the result in the end. Um, we've had some good. We've had some good games against them. Yeah, a really encouraging record against the Giants. Actually, uh, one we've won two of the last three encounters. The loss was at Giants Stadium almost two years ago to the day by just eleven points. Then we smacked them at the G and then smacked them in the snow, which is great. Uh, difficult to actually get a read on where GWS are at at the moment. They sit tenth on the ladder. Two wins, two losses. They dropped games to North on their home deck and the Bulldogs at Marvel. And they only just got over the line against the Pies, despite some pretty significant inclusions to their side. So I just don't really know what to make of them. And I think to that end, and hoping that Hawthorne makes some improvements upon their game, I'm confident. I back us in. Well, I mean, they've got some great players. Uh, Kelly, Whitfield, Haynes, Toby Green, the new Tom Green, is it Tom? Tom Green of um, comedic fame. Um, <laughs> you know they're, they're awash with talent, and it's going to take. That's that's the troubling thing about GWS. They've got so much talent, and then they've got Cameron in the box, who seems not to know how to drive this Ferrari. And uh, Clarko knows what to do to dismantle it. It's um, it should be a great game. I'd give you my tip, mate, and I, and I want to get yours. But I thought this would be the perfect segue into uh, Mason's multi. Hey, who did you pick tonight, by the way? Seeing it's half time. The game's in progress, and it's playing. The TV's on about a meter away from me, and I can see it's just a matter of St Kilda fitting into the margin of chosen. <laughs> <laughs> They're giving Carlton an absolute bath. So, if the Saints could do me a favour and stay within one to thirty-nine points, I'd be ever ever so grateful. Oh, it's only thirty now, so I think you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Got Carlton are gone from chocolates to bored lollies, haven't they? I thought that might happen. And tomorrow evening you got Collingwood Essendon. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why in my head I didn't even factor in that that it's a Friday night. It's just I didn't think about it. But I picked Collingwood, uh, one to thirty nine points. So one there for the listeners. There's uh, there's some very good money to be had with Essendon, who look absolutely terrible at the moment. Jump on the bombers because uh, the curse will reign supreme again. I'm sure. Can't get past Friday night, this multi. Saturday Arvo, the, uh, this is one of the games that had to be changed. Uh, West Coast Eagles plays the Sydney Swans up at Metricon. Sydney have a very good record against West Coast. I think they've won the last three games, and not by huge margins, but they've done all right. That being said, I, West Coast have to snap out of the funk that they're in eventually, right? Um. Yeah, okay. You <laughs> don't like that reasoning? They're unfathomably bad at the moment. There's no cohesion between any of the lines. Um, Hearn looks about, oh, I don't know, 20% slower than he has in the past. Um, they're not even manning up in defence. So Sydney are well marshalled, and um, they're not playing elite football, but they're... They're scoring. Well, we'll see what happens. I've gone with West Coast uh, between 1 and 39 points. The Geelong Cats versus the Gold Coast Suns at Geelong. Um, Boggles the mind how the Suns were allowed down here and then back. But uh, who knows? There's a couple of milestone games there, and we do hope that the Suns win in an absolute boil over, don't we, Nick? So who have you picked? Look, I've picked Geelong. Oh, but whatever. Look, I really want the Suns to win, okay? I, I hope that they do. I think it'll be hilarious if the Suns won. I, I just, I'm not sure that they will. 
let's move on to the next game. Oh, I picked Geelong between 1 and 39, by the way. Saturday night, in a game where no tackle will be rewarded, the Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. I've gone for the Bulldogs. Fair enough. Between 1 and 39 again. Brisbane versus Port Adelaide at the Gabba. I'm so sick of Port Adelaide. I mean, if there's going to be a, a team to snap this streak, I, I think Brisbane are well-placed to do it. That's also between 1 and 39. Yeah, I agree. That'll be a ripper game. Oh, it'll be a fantastic game. Ripper game to absolute awfulness. Adelaide versus Frio at Metricon. Oh, who's the best of the worst, Tiz? Apparently they're allowed a crowd there. Just because they're allowed a crowd doesn't mean anyone's going to turn up for it. <laughs> Hard enough getting either team to turn up at this point. Do they actually sell tickets to these? Like, do you have to... Can you buy tickets to these things? Like, are they making people pay to go? (laughs) I don't know, mate. I I don't actually know how it works. God, it's been so long since we had the opportunity to go to the footy. Anyway. Yeah, I had a bit of a spell like that today. I thought, I'm really missing that drive to the G on a Saturday Arvo. You know, early in the Saturday Arvo with a bit of the nerves and bit of the old uh, road rage as you head to the G, get a car park. So you're nostalgic even for the annoying points. Yeah, I know. That's how bad it's got. <laughs> I tip Fremantle, by the way. No margin on that one. I just went for the straight win. I don't actually know just how bad Adelaide are. Perhaps even Fremantle can blow them out of the water, so I won't tip a margin there. Now, this is one of those games coming up here, Melbourne-Richmond, where the panic alarm's going to be hit at either HQ. It will be terrific. <laughs> well said. I think you're spot on there. I've gone with Richmond. Excellent. If Richmond can't get over Melbourne, there's something pretty desperately wrong at Tigerland. So I'm backing them in. And have you gone with Hawthorne, mate? Or I have gone with Hawthorne. Excellent. To close out the round between one and thirty-nine. Well, let's let's hope you uh, let's hope you win the money. How much are you going to share? <laughs> Well, my estimated return is $378.70. This is off $1. I want to remind people, I've put a single dollar on this multi and I'll stand to get almost $400. Plus there's a multiplier, so I, I could get over 500 So we'll see. And how's that uh, How's that bet you had with uh, Wingard to win both the Brownlow and the Coleman going? <laughs> I haven't gotten on that, but maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. He's uh, he's so good to watch, and you, you're right in saying that he's one of our most exciting players, and makes it worthwhile watching Hawthorne. But um, the scratch match notes that were written by Andy Otten this week would have you believing that the upcoming troop of draft picks and selections will, well, if not this week, but next week, just dominate our AFL side. <laughs> they are some of the most superlative written i i like the sun shines out of these boys doesn't it nick it's incredible i'm so glad that you noted that because i did very quickly i was like geez he doesn't have a single bad word not even a bad word just oh this area of this of this guy's game needs improving he won't even stoop to that every single comment on every player is like oh yeah no he's doing really well an administrator needs to come in with the editing and go, listen, mate, we don't want all of them poached, just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> just enough to ease the squeeze in these difficult times. You know what we're trying to do. I-, I will admit, it got me excited about the youngsters. I'm like, oh, okay, well... Absolutely. World beaters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, we're going to end this week with just one final question uh, from Erin at Hawk Talk Pod. 
Uh, she hit us up and said, here's a random unrelated question. I saw another fan refer to the Hawks as the chips and gravy online, and it made me laugh. I've heard of the more common nickname related to our colours before, but that one was new to me. What's some of our club's best nicknames? Well, most of them are derogatory. Lately, my favourite has been Premiers. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, Three Peters, which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I always felt that Hawthorne were... A little bit lax in never really sewing up uh, a sponsorship from a nappy company. I feel that um, that's quite obvious. Big boy's staring down the barrel of a sponsorship. He doesn't let anything leak through. He was certainly super snug with Brown on the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is as good as this podcast gets. Anyway, we should start wrapping up. Uh, Apple Podcasts, as we said, we love reading your glowing reviews. We really appreciate it. So if you want to hit us up there with five stars, that would be awesome. Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. Join the conversation. It's a great community over there. We're just on the precipice of 2.1k followers, which is amazing. So join us over there. Facebook as well. You can join us over on Facebook. We're building very nicely there too. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. And Patreon. That's the best way to support the show. If you love what we do, Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. Yeah, I reckon we're on the precipice of a really big win by a Hawthorne outfit that actually plays four quarters and links up between the lines. This... uh... Clarko could have read the right act and we could be looking at a fabulous performance on the weekend. I did forget to ask you your tip. It sounds like you're uh, you're tipping Hawthorne the same way as me. Yep, and then the boys are off to the hub, so either the Queensland supporters or the New South Welshmen will be enjoying Hawthorne being in the state. So, um, you know, this is an opportunity for those supporters to get out and about and, you know, just really immerse themselves in Hawthorne because uh, I know some of the Queenslanders have been denied that for many years when we were very successful. We were, were never pushed up there to play any games. Yeah, we have a few listeners in both those states, so uh, g'day to everyone there. And, uh, yeah, make the most of it if it does come to that. And if it is in Brisbane, um, I won't be coming, obviously. <laughs> so it's all good. They won't let you, mate. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, it's not because of any virus. They listen to this show and they know what happens when you come to Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be it for this week. It's been another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.